Stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, visit www.3cr.org.au. Well, good morning, everyone. You're tuned to Community Radio 3CR. Time is just after 7.30. And, of course, you're listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. My name's Pam Vardy. First up, of course, it's the second uh, Sunday in the month, so we have to say a very warm welcome to Graham Sargent from Silky's Rose Farm. Morning, Graham. Good morning, Pam, and good morning, everybody out there in, in listening land. I hope you're still in bed. Eh? <laughs> hey, it's <laughs> light. Yeah, yeah, you're it's right. It's not dark light. anymore. Yeah. I'm sitting in the studio here with some other, all the ladies, mate. It's, it's a lady. You're surrounded. Day. Yeah, a bloke, just one bloke amongst the ladies. But we're all plant people, so that's grouse. Absolutely. Mm. <laughs> and we've got heaps and heaps of plants to talk about this morning, which will be <laughs> even better. Okay, we also have to say a very good morning to Virginia. Hey, good morning, Virginia. Good morning. And isn't it a relief that spring is coming? I love winter, and I love my garden in winter, but it has been a cold one. It certainly has. Mm. And um, it's just, everything's just yes, going berserk. Yes, <laughs> especially the weeds. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, they're coming out easily at the yeah. moment. Oh, it's wonderful. It's mm. wonderful. And the garden is just looking lovely, which makes me happy. Yep, definitely. Mm. And we also have to welcome back to the studio Sue Stevens, who's head propagator there at Bushland Flora Nursery. Morning, Sue. Good morning, Pam, and good morning, listeners. Yeah, it's lovely to... It's actually been light. Actually, it was about quarter to six, I think, this morning when we woke up, and it was. it's just glorious. It gives us some um, gardening time now before we go to work, which is <laughs> good. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, and warming up because I found through the winter this year we actually haven't had a lot of weekends mm. that have been warm enough. It's, you've had those few days here and there through the week and sunny and you're sitting at work and then it comes to the weekend and, and it's, it's too cold to get out there <laughs> exactly. and do anything. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah, but do you know I had a frost on the roof only two days ago again? Oh, so I daren't plant anything yet. Pam, it's just I, too soon. I've had the worst frost for 15 years. Mm, yeah. I, my plectranthus, mm. I don't dare prune back to see if they're alive underneath. Mm. They are looking but dreadful. But you're, you're not alone. Everyone's complaining their plectranthus have been hit hard this year. But you know how cocky I always am. Oh, no, the frost just rolls off my hill. <laughs> not this year. No, not I this year at all. I think we've been pruning, doing it, that little bit of pruning and changing the um, situation that the plants are in. That's been my problem. An area that I had that I don't normally get the frost on, I'd pruned some things back. Right. Just planted this lovely unknown plant that I'd grown from somebody's garden and it's uh, totally black so yeah but I didn't find the frost this year as bad as um, when we had that run of frost about must have been about four years ago okay I actually lost a lot of the front garden I think I think why some of my plants have been hit is because I've had the frosts come so late and so the plants were starting to put on this their growth their growth yeah and then this frost has come through and just hit them hard well the thing that suffered most in my garden I've got quite a lot of heliotrope and only one of them seems to have got through Mm, but I was looking yesterday and I think one of them's got a few leaves underneath but, you know, I'm not going to take any of those no. blackened leaves off no, no, yet. No, no, no. We're looking at toughening up plants. 
and liquid seaweed helps that a lot. Oh, absolutely. Just the, the straight liquid seaweed, not with NPK or anything like that in it. Yep. Yeah. And um, we found that it'll give us anything up to about four to five degrees frost tolerance. Mm. Mm. As well as foliar or yeah, foliar. As, as a foliar. Straight okay. over foliar. I've got some um, rose seedlings which can be delicate and they're up with leaf, but I've been giving them a liquid seaweed about once, once, a, once a week for sure yeah. to harden them up. I had, uh, I've been trying to grow a beautiful salvia called bluebird that gets to about three metres tall for three years. Every year the birds break it off and I had it ready to flower and the frost got oh, it and no. took about two foot off the top of oh, the plants no. again. Which mm. was, Mine yeah. fell over. Did it? Mm. Yeah. That's the weight of it. It's, it okay. just tipped. It's almost tipped it's out of the soil. It's such a tall salvia, mm. actually, mm. but it's absolutely beautiful when it flowers. Because I've it? got it in the same garden as tequila, and that yeah. also is massive. It is. Um, yeah. Well, we're, we're from outer areas. Has there been frost in Melbourne? I think there has been, hasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Yes. And of course, we're talking to the majority of us people on the radio are talking to Melbourne people. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Well, we had, a, I think it was minus three. It could have been at Coldstream. Yes. Yeah. yeah, so it was. Yeah, it was pretty. Well, I spent last week in Bellingen, which yeah. is about half an hour in from Coffs Harbour, yeah. and they'd had a frost up there. Really? <laughs> mm, <laughs> really? And I mean, yeah. that's subtropical up there. Yeah. 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 Like you go, you go up there in summer, mm. and you just uh, drenched the whole time because mm. you sweat so much and mm. you pick up leeches every time you go into the bush. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really hot, but they mm. had a frost up there. Mm. Goodness mm. me! Well, they always said this with global warming; it was going to get more extreme. We'd get more of That's right, both ends. Both ends. Mm. Yes, yes. It's not just getting warmer. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. And more storms. Yep. And I've lost a lot of branches this year. Mm. Every time I go away for a few days, and I come back, and I find branches all over the place. Mm. <laughs> well, keep, keep, um, and and keep trying to have, make tougher plants. And liquid seaweed will help that. And also compost rather than fertilizer. Yes. Fertiliser with the nitrogen and it'll bring on that soft growth. (laughs) Yes, that's right. So, you know, again, people in Melbourne, that's, that's a thing to sort of bear in mind. And by making up compost, if you can make it, make it yourself, you're helping the environment. Hmm. Or if you, if, you, if you buy it in bags. But you know what I've got this... I just noticed yesterday, I'm really upset about this. I've got maggots in my worm farm. Mm-hmm. Oh, have you? Mm. I just looked at it and closed it and thought, what the hell am I going to do about that and walked away? Well, I, they, I'll have to do something tomorrow. They, they must be hungry then. But did a, did a scrap of meat or something get into it? I don't know. Um, you would, well, yes. that's my first thought. Yeah. But even so, um, I don't see... How the flies got in there, in fact. Yeah. Because it's a very, it's one of those things that's very closed. Some, uh, it was Fiona's, and, and when she left for England, she gave it to me. Right. And I saw them this year at, um, at the flower show. And I mean, it's a really fantastic because it's completely closed. Yep. And I don't quite know what to do now because I've got to get rid of those. Well, we usually find that... The, the how, how work through is it? I'd, I'd be emptying it out. Tip it over. I'd tip it over. I'd empty it out, leave leave it in the sun. Yes. For a week. Yeah. And then I'd, I'd spread it out on your garden and start again. That's I, what I'd be doing. But that won't kill the maggots. So I suppose oh, if yes, I expose will. them... If they're out in the sun and the birds mm. will come along and... Yeah. What I might do is just take all the top off it and put it on top of my... You know, I've got those four big compost, compost bins. Yeah. Yep. Put it on top of one of Put them. Put it on the top, but I'd get it out into the open. Mm. 
Mm. I was very distressed to see this. Oh, I would be too. Mm. The, yeah. the, the insect, and we get the same thing happen in our big, big bakashi bucket that we used to use in the country, oh, yes. like the big one. Yes. And they go through a cycle. And it'll be a certain type of insect that will come, which in this case we, we assume it's a fly. It'll go through its cycle, and then after you know about a month, they, they'll just disappear because they've done their thing. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes, but I, when I look at how many maggots are in there, I think how many flies it's going to make. I don't want them. Yeah. Well, no, fair enough. <laughs> don't like flies. No. Don't like mosquitoes. No, fair enough. <laughs> don't blame you. <laughs> So that was a bit distressing, and I and I had a look in my big my great big bins, yeah. yep. and I filled them up. I, all of them, I've put heaps of horse poo on top of the you know the composting stuff, just all the yeah. vegetable matter, all the salvias and yeah, things yeah, yeah. that are in there, and it's full of worms, which is absolutely wonderful. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And, and have you got many maggots on your horse poo? None. None. Yeah. See, that but, cycle's yet to happen. Yes, I think. I, well, I think it's even though I've had a lot of rain, I think then it's. Not wet. Mm. I mean, it's mm. it's moist enough for everything to mm. be happening, but it's not wet. Mm. Mm. I was amazed at how big your compost bin. You've been very good with the composting. Well, there, it's because it? I've put a lot of a lot of horse poo in as yeah. well. Mm. Because yeah. last year I filled one with just horse poo. Right. Yeah. I thought, oh well, this is an experiment, and I've got four, and they're yep. they're all bigger than a, a meter cubed. Okay. By accident, they were meant to be a meter cubed, but I <laughs> can't measure very well, so they're bigger. And I filled one just with horse poo, right. and the worms just did the most magnificent yeah. job. And, yeah. I ju- and I, I mean, I just put all of it out in the garden when I was mm. planting. Yep. And it's just been beautiful. So mm. this year I decided to do it again. Okay. Mm. And well, there's yeah. horses horse- all around me ruining yeah. paddock after paddock. I yeah, just go and enough. collect it. <laughs> your your horse poo will collect the flies and the maggots. You know, when I was with the city of Eston, we used to do inspections around Mooney Valley Race Course in yeah. Flemington. And the, and the complaint from the residents were these manure pits, and they were just alive with flies. And no matter how much they seal them off, mm. the flies would still get in. Well, that's what they've done to my closed... Yeah. Yes. Because I've got, I've got three worm farms. I've got two up there and one in the city. Mm. And I've got four compost bins. Nobody could say I didn't take it all seriously. <laughs> That's what you've got to help me do. I collected a lovely bath off the um, hard rubbish to do that. I haven't set up my worm farm yet. Yes, no. I, well, I think a worm farm in, in a in a bath is such a an oh, effective works, way yeah. to do it. Yeah. You've just got to find the thing to sit it on, so yeah. it's high enough that we've you can actually done that and put it on an angle. And I overwinter, I haven't even been up in the back garden, so I've got well, to do and, that. And do you dra- drain your bath? No, no. I've, I've left the plug yeah. open. Yes. And then I put a layer of scree, you know, grit. Yeah, yes. And then I just put it in oh, to good. start with. Then I just put um, pea straw and um, compost or whatever mm. just mm. to start it. Yep. Mm. And and then start adding the the muck from mm. the kitchen. Yep. And I, I largely put the kitchen scraps in there. Okay. Mm. Then add the worms. But and, you've definitely and then, drained it. Yeah. yeah definitely and so, and it, because I've left the plug open, underneath, I've got it high, and yeah. underneath the plug I've got you a bin. You have a bucket. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. I've actually got a bin. Right, yeah. okay. And it fills up. Yep. Yeah, great. And it fills up, and because I put horse poop in there as well, I mm. mean, it means that when it rains it goes through it. Of course. Mm. And I've mm. got really nice... Oh, yeah, nothing like the natural rain, and, yeah. and worms love that. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah. We'd get a plethora of um, um, baths around 
our district because people use it's them and don't use them for, for drink troughs. And then sometimes, the, you know, the, the horses out the paddock and everything else, and there's a bar sitting there for, for months, mm. and they can be used for just making worm farms. I think they're fantastic. You've just yeah. got to get it high enough off so that it'll drain. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And you might as well collect what it Oh, Drain, because it's another thing that will strengthen your plants. Absolutely. Mm. Worm juice is crap. Mm. Yeah, yeah, no, it's terrific. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Okay, well, it's a time I got to some community announcements. Uh, first up, uh, today is the second day of the Fernie Creek Horticultural Society Spring Show. Um, have you been up there? No, sir, and I really wanted to go yesterday, but um, it was just too hard. Yep. Fair enough. Really wanted to go. I love Fernie Creek. It's a fantastic yeah. oh, place to go. And whenever I go, I go for a big walk around the garden because whatever time of year, it's always got something that's beautiful. Mm. It's a fabulous garden. Oh, it is a brilliant if, garden. If people yeah. can go to Fernie Creek now, it's fantastic. It, it's really a rainforest, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Virginia and, and I it's, went It's last. a world all of its own. Yes. If you're and getting out today, folks, in Melbourne, go up to Fernie Creek. And on one, and on one side of the building, there's yeah. all this... Beautiful, big, old, huge trees, yes. eucalypts, with yeah. and un- underplanted with rhododendrons and camellias. Yeah. And then on the other side, which is very open, must have been a paddock at some stage, yeah. it's full of all these wonderful South African plants, yeah. some really unusual ones. Yeah. And so it, there's always something in flower. I just yeah. love it. It's Actually, fabulous. Actually, what was lovely too up there this time, because we went at this time last year, was all the beautiful tilopias. They've got all the different coloured ones in yes. the South African garden up there. Yes, right. And also the little bulbs, they were like rainflowers, weren't they, yes. underneath the um, azaleas? Just mm. beautiful. And one of the best conifer n- nurseries in, in Australia. On the corner. On the corner. And <laughs> all shapes and sizes. That's amazing. It's, it's a great place to spend some hours just wandering through the place. And they've got a fence, a huge long fence, which has got a lapageria on it. Now, I have tried to grow a lapageria. Yes. For those who don't know it, it's a climber with a very absolutely beautiful waxy flower. And it's, mm-hmm. I fi- it's South American, and I find it difficult to grow. I think it doesn't like our heat mm. in summer right mm. and they've got a huge one and it's mm. absolutely beautiful mm. and that's on the edge of conifer mm-hmm. gardens mm. Yeah. beautiful mm. fantastic good place to be yep okay well uh, they're holding their show this year in uh, association with camellia victoria uh and uh, camellias victoria are staging the national camellia championship so lots of camellias to have a look at this year now uh <coughs> It's, uh, the address is 100 Hilton Road East in Sassafras. That's just behind the Fernie Creek Reserve. And uh, it's open today from 10am, running through to 4pm. Entry is $5. Children under 16 are free. There's going to be um, plant stalls, cut flowers, light meals and drinks, plus guided walks of the garden, um, and, of course, the ever-popular sausage, sausage sizzle. <laughs> <laughs> Virginia's in my favourite thing. <laughs> yeah, we get there and go straight to the sausage scissor. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay, so that's all happening today. Now, another, another event that's taking place this afternoon is the September-themed walk down at uh, Geelong Botanic Gardens. And uh, this is all about Chinese plants in the garden. You meet the guide at uh, 2 o'clock at the front steps. Um, cost is a gold coin donation and of course we'll, the walk will be looking at uh, the enormous range of rare and beautiful um, plants uh, all from China. So uh, that would be a very pleasant walk today I would imagine. I do think that the 
Botanic Gardens in Geelong is rather a treasure. It is. I really like it. Yes, mm. it is. Now I have a, a quick uh, message about another show that's on today. The Australian Plants Expo is a huge native plant fair coming up on September 8th and 9th in Eltham. There'll be books, art, giftware and talks by Philip Johnson, A.B. Bishop and Loretta Childs. There'll also be demonstrations and workshops on botanical art, propagation and native bonsai, as well as activities for children, refreshments and door prizes. Saturday and Sunday, September 8th and 9th, 10am to 4pm at the Eltham Community and Reception Centre, 801 Main Road, Eltham. Contact at apsyarrayarra at gmail.com or call 0430-513-433 for more details. Australian Plant Society Yarra Yarra is a 3CR supporter. Yes, so folks, that, that is the last day of the show today. Um, and as I mentioned uh, in previous weeks, it is an incredible show there, I've never seen so many um, Australian native plants in flower all in the one spot. It's just uh, really wonderful. And as, as we said, there's going to be um, talks by our very own AB Bishop, Loretta Childs and Philip Johnson. There'll be demonstrations and workshops. There'll be bonsai and flower displays, art, activities for children and refreshments available. Entry $5 for adults, $4 concession. Children are free and... Uh, all, that is all up at Eltham Community and Reception Centre, 10 o'clock through till 4 o'clock. And that uh, reception centre is at 801 Main Road there in Eltham, and there's plenty of parking on site. Uh, <coughs> now, coming up on the 15th of September and running right through <coughs> until uh, October the 14th is Tesla's Tulip Festival. Uh, of course, this is an annual event. Um, Always a fantastic sight to see all the tulips out in flower. Um, It'll be open 10am through to 5 each day. The address for Tesselars is 357 Monbulk Road in Sylvan. Melway map is 123B5. So that's starting September the 15th and running through till October the 14th. So you've got a whole month to uh, make your way up there and... uh, have a look at all the tulips. Tessalars is one of the few places where you can buy a clematis that is not massively overpriced. Okay. And they've got some lovely little clematises there. Right. I wonder if you say clematai. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I, I buy some, yeah, clematises. <laughs> I buy some of them every year. And I tend to get, because you can go shopping at Tesla on both a Saturday and a Sunday. The shop's open both days. Oh, okay. So it's a really nice place just to, you know, if you happen to be driving around the Sylvan Dam. Yep. It's a nice place to um, drop in. Brilliant. And, have, and they've got, and increasingly they're having more unusual plants. Mm. I find their list has become much more interesting than it oh, used to be. That's interesting to yes. know. So you can get things that you haven't. I mean, I look and I see things I don't know what they are, and that yeah. always excites me. Yeah, that's good. Because I then have to have it. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> They're doing it deliberately to draw you in. Also, at the end of the season, too, they, when they have their um, 
sales for their markdowns from like their catalogues. Yes. You can pick up some really good bargains. Fantastic. Yeah. I picked up some great, uh, really nice hellebores there, half price, which is really good. Yes, yeah. excellent. Mm. And the festival, um, the whole setup has been changed since the autumn, and there's great facilities for children. Mm. They okay. really cater for children. Yep. Rides for kids and like stacks of colour and plenty of different food. Yes. Really different food. Good. With a Dutch trend. Yeah. <laughs> well, it is very Dutch around there. Yes. Mm. Yes, oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Open Gardens Victoria have got their next garden opening coming up next weekend. Now, this is an interesting one, and it's only going to be open for one day, which is next Saturday, <clears throat> 15th of September. And this is um, the uh, very productive um, oasis in the inner um, city. It's the rain garden at William Anglis Institute. It's a model food garden uh, right at the heart of uh, Melbourne and it's designed to assist in teaching students how to grow, harvest and use a variety of plants in their catering. So uh, the garden was actually recently featured on ABC's Gardening Australia program. Um, Now the four 72 square metre garden site was previously an unloved and underutilised area. Um, it was awkwardly wedged between multi-storey buildings and, uh, of course, today it's a calm, green, productive space. Now, it was designed and transformed by our very own Karen Sutherland, who's um, a food garden guru, um, and it's also uh, a student-friendly social space and provides a series of microclimates enabling more than 100 species to be grown. So uh, uh, this is opening up, as I say, for one day only, next Saturday, 15th of September. The address of William Anglis Institute is 550 Little Lonsdale Street in Melbourne. It's open 10 through till 3.30 um, entry is $8, children under 18 are free, students $5. Now, during the day, there will be talks by Karen Sutherland, who's the garden designer, uh, John Belling, who uh, will be talking about indigenous food and plants, and Dr Nick Rose will be uh, talking about the Sustainable Communities Summit that's also going to be held in conjunction. Now, there will be tastes and treats there as well. Um, so uh, that's all happening, as I say, uh, next Saturday. It doesn't normally open to the public, uh, so it's a, a wonderful one-day opportunity to go and have a look at a, um, a working, um, wonderful food uh, productive garden. Now, uh, as usual, our good friends at Open Gardens Victoria have given us one free double pass to give away. If you'd like to grab that free double pass, give us a call right now, the number 94190155. That's 94190155 to uh, grab that free double pass uh, to the Rain Garden next Saturday and that will be posted out to you. Come on, folks. First in, best dress. Absolutely. Get on the phone. (laughs) We only have the one. Um, just a couple more I should very quickly mention while I've got the opportunity. Uh, Friends of Burnley Gardens, uh, their next um, meeting is uh, a talk, an illustrated talk by Tina Crawford. She's going to be speaking on plants are the solution in a garden. 
right plant, right place and some appropriate nurturing will deliver amazing results. Now this is coming up on Tuesday the 18th of September, 7 for 7.30 and uh, you, uh, let me see, it will be in uh, the main building, room 11 there down at Burnley. Um, 7 o'clock, drinks and nibbles and 7.30 for the talk. Uh, now cost is $5 if you're a member of the friends group, uh, $15 if you're a non-member. Parking of course is available in the boulevard and uh, again bookings are essential. You can phone the office, the friends office 9035-6815. That's 9035-6815 and leave a message or you can email friends.burnley at gmail.com. And just one more, this is, uh, I'll mention, this is coming up. Um, for those of you who are really interested in uh, Clivias, there is a Clivia Expo coming up. Um, this uh, will be held on Saturday the 22nd of September, 10 o'clock through till 4 o'clock. There will be displays, demonstrations and sales. Now it's all happening at St Scholastica's Community Centre. The address is 384 Burwood Highway in Burwood. And if you'd like uh, more inquiries about that one, 0488-998-327. That's 0488-998-327. Have we got a bird in the studio, <laughs> Graham? <laughs> Goodness me, I'm the things getting that people's attention here. for photos. You certainly are. <laughs> Which reminds me, before we um, open up our talkback lines to our listeners, um, don't forget that um, we are now on Facebook. Um, you simply go to Facebook, um, type in 3CR Gardening Show, the site will come up, and we have some wonderful photos up there this morning of the plants that uh, Virginia and Sue are going to be talking about this morning in the studio. So uh, if you want to listen to the show but go up on Facebook, you'll get the opportunity to have a look at some of the plants we're going to be mentioning this morning. Okay, so it's high time we invited our listeners to join us. If you'd like to uh, join the, uh, the uh, guests in the studio this morning, the number is 94190155. Or we have uh, Carol on the outside line. If you'd like to have a chat to Carol, 94198377. Okay, uh, let's see. Uh, right. Uh, we have, oh, we just have a message coming through. I might wait till that uh, comes through a little bit more. Um, but as I mentioned, if you'd like to join us this morning and ask a gardening question, Nine four one nine zero one double five. We're running through until nine fifteen, our usual time slot. So plenty of time to come and have a chat to us. Um, let's start with the plant, Virginia. Let's get underway. Okay. Well, one of the things I've put up on Facebook is the Veltimia. It, I think it's um, it's a South African bulb that is dormant in summer which is one of the things I love. I love things to be dormant when it's 40 degrees and there's a north wind blowing. And you don't have to water. You don't have to worry about it, and it just makes it so much easier. It's Veltimia is spelt V-E-L-T-H 
E-I-M-I-A. And the one I've got is Filtimia bracteata. Can you spell that again, please? V-E-L-T-H-E-I-M-I-A. And it's... um, There's quite a few of them in the Botanic Gardens in the South African section. Right. If anyone wants to go and have a look at them. And they are, they are a really lovely bulb. They've got a very, uh, very glossy leaf. And then this flower comes up, which, uh, which is on a spike. And it's, um, it, it looks like a toilet brush or something like that. It's that sort of okay. shape. And it's right. pink. So it's a, it's a really pretty thing. And, it, of course, it doesn't have to worry itself in summer because it's dormant. It's sort of like a tight lacanalia sort of flower. Yes. Right. So yeah. you'll remember that. You can t- call it the toilet brush pink. <laughs> <laughs> toilet brush pink. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I've got a lot of South African plants through my garden, particularly ones that go dormant, bulbs that go dormant in summer because they just, you know, they survive. It's mm. like the daffodil. Yep. You know, the daffodil survives because it doesn't have to panic. Mm. The yeah. other thing that's good about them too, Virginia, um, the ones that you gave me a while ago, you actually grew them from seed. I did. Then obviously planted those out. They take a couple of years. Okay. But uh, Virginia gave me a dozen of them, which are. And, you know, and I just, I just, grew, and the other thing I've got flowering in my garden, which is one of those things that Stephen loves, which is a pseudocydonia. Oh yes. It's a Japan, uh, no Chinese um, quince, and it's mm. smaller than the quince quince that we know. Yes. And I grew a whole lot of them from seed. I've got, oh, I've got them in the paddock. I've got five there, three there, couple, three or four in the garden. So I've got about nine of them scattered around. And they're all in, in bud for the first time. They haven't flowered previously because I grew them from seed. Mm. And it's fantastic when you can grow something from seed that's pretty. Yes. Mm. So when you're talking about, about the Veltimia, it would be great as a drought plant. Yes. Drought, drought oh, very. Yeah. Yes. And, and the same with daffodils. And what we've learned about the daffodils, plant them in an area that you actually don't water in the summertime. Absolutely. Because Cause you can actually you drown them. Mm. Yeah, you keep watering, you, the bulbs rot. And Craig always says, plant them deeper than ever advised. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I think, you know, deeper than they suggest for in the English books, for example, yes. because you're getting them into cooler soil. Right. Because okay. the one thing about the soil is it doesn't change temperature. Mm. You know, so the deeper they are, the more they don't absorb the heat of mm. the summer. Yep. Mm. Mm. Okay. Um, well, we've got a query from the outside line, and this might be one, Sue, that you might be able to help with. Um, Ruth from Bentley East is trying to track down a particular variety of calistamin it's lemony yellow in colour. Uh, she thinks it may be Callistamon silver cloud um, pallidus, but she's run Karanga to no avail. Do you know? We don't actually do you don't that do at work. It at all? I don't know that, no. Okay. Uh, the <laughs> only one that we have is that's a lemony white colour is uh, white Anzac, but we don't do that one. Okay. Yeah, sorry, I can't help on there. Mm. And Karanga would be the best place if you were going I would have to. Thought they they, the they would know where to get hold of one, if anyone. But yeah, they do have an ordering system there, so if you did ring Karanga, um, they should be able to have a look on the net at what Well, what she said from. she hasn't 
got anywhere with it, but maybe she didn't ask if they could order one yeah, in. Yeah, because they can actually order, if they haven't got something, quite often they will order that in for you. Also, yep. there's some chance that somebody will know and will ring in. Yes, exactly. So if, if you do know where uh, one would be available, do give us a call. That would be excellent. All right, uh, that number, as I mentioned, if you'd like to join us this morning, 94190155 to speak to Graham, Sergeant, um, all about roses, uh, Virginia, of course, all about you name it, <laughs> and uh, Sue Stevens, who, uh, if you want to talk propagating uh, with Australian natives, Sue is your person. So do give us a call, 9419. 0155 or to speak to Carol on the outside line 94198377 Okay Sue, let's, uh, let's make a start I've brought in a little treasure today that people probably won't have seen before um, We've actually got a new seedling that we're going to be releasing in the next 12 months and it's Acacia floribunda, which is a cinnamon wattle, which normally grows to about three metres tall. But we have a small, compact one that we're going to be calling Mini Cine, after the <laughs> cinnamon wattle. And it's um, 80 centimetres by 80 centimetres. Wow. Absolutely beautiful. So it's got the longer type little wattle flowers on it. Um, the plant that I've brought in is looking a bit straggly because it's actually my stock plant, but um, I've cut it back and you can see. Um, yeah, for, for the listeners, that's just masses of flowers. Masses isn't of flowers. It? Yes, yeah, and very compact. Yeah, um, very drought tolerant. We've had, um, had them in our stock garden for probably about four years now. Okay. Um, the only problem is that I've had trouble propagating it. Uh, we've managed to get, get them through now, but we have another gentleman who's um, absolutely brilliant. He's got a nursery out at Glen Maggie. All right. And um, he has a lot of luck with acacias and things like that that are quite difficult. Okay. I was helping him unload the plants the other day because every time I do, he gives me, gives me some of his secrets how <laughs> to actually get them through. So it's quite interesting because he was actually saying that a lot of the problem with propagating uh, wattles in your poly environment they don't like they li- like the misting system and the foggers for about 12 weeks right. and then he said just pull them out put them into a shaded protected area and gradually one by one they'll put their roots on so yes, okay. he was actually saying to take them out of that poly environment prior to them actually getting roots which I've never tried before so, okay that's yeah, interesting it is Yes, it's a, it's a lovely little plant and great for people I, that have small back gardens. I think put. small wattles are wonderful. I've mm. got quite a few around that I've, I've, I mean, I've got some big ones as well. Yeah. And it's just such a joy at the end of winter to get it. And oh. yellow is not a colour in the, that I particularly like mm. in the garden or orange in the middle of summer, but it's wonderful in winter to get mm. all these Warm colours. It's quite interesting that in winter, like I had a look at um, exotics and and natives, um, you get that yellow in winter that actually brightens up the Mm. uh, very dull days. Yes. Yeah. And what sort of a life would that, do you think that plant would have in in someone's garden? How many years? I don't know. Well, it's it's been good as gold in our garden at Mm -hmm. work and that's Mm. where that's actually situated is not under the watering system. It's actually sitting there. Um, yeah, and it's in a frost area as well, mm. so it's done really, really well. I'm thinking it would make a fantastic um, 
landscaping plant for, mm. you know, in the middle of, of roads and things because it's so low. Yes. And you'd have this, this gorgeous, uh, you know, colour of yellow en masse. And still be able to see over it. Yes. That's really good, actually. It I would be ideal that. for that. Mm. Yeah. And the great thing about wattles is that they set those um, nitrogen nodules from the roots yeah. and, and and if a plant say finishes in 15 years you can still plant other things back in there you haven't got that big competition thing that you get with oh well eucalypts mm. um, pines yeah, yeah, yeah pines yeah mm. okay one of the other ones i haven't brought it in um that i've got in the garden that i absolutely adore is uh, acacia golden glow mm-hmm. and that's a provisima but a compact one that only gets to about one and a half metres. Mm. Um, absolutely gorgeous. And also honey bun, but it's only very fine where you see the My honey bun's on flowered. Mm. Yes. Yes, I, they've and just... How, how big does honey bun get? Well, mine has got big. It's not yeah. meant to be as big as it is, but it, then... What's that, two metres? One, no. No, 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 they're no. five foot. Yeah. yeah. yeah all, it, all right in a suburban garden, eh? Hey? Yeah, but yep. do you know what else they're really, really good? Uh, Virginia and I have been doing is turning a lot of our Australian natives and exotics into standards. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you can actually have mm. honey bun. Um, I've taken out all the lower branches and you can have it weeping, mm. cascading, yep. and yep. then under plant, and yep. it looks really good. It would. Yeah. And what's that fantastic wattle in my top garden? I can't remember. It came from you. you it did. And we looked up the plant tag the other day. It's like a fluffy, pale grey okay. uh, wattle, but quite compact. It's beautiful. beautiful. Mm. Yeah. That's no use if we can't tell no, people. I've got a picture is. I could have put on Facebook with that. Okay. Mm. All right. Uh, let's go to our first caller. We have Helen in Cheltenham. Good morning, Helen. Oh, good morning, and thanks for your program. Um, I'm just planting out a front garden. We've been in this place six months, and we're just having the artificial turf removed from the front garden and I want to plant it out with natives. It's north facing, very hot. I suspect that under the crushed rock there's probably sandy soil. Mm -hmm. We we may need to get some soil brought in. Um, So I'm looking for two small shade trees and smaller native plants. I've got a lot of native plants in the backyard. Um, so something a bit different that'll that'll take the extreme heat of ex- very exposed to north and west, which means it's going to get the hot north winds. That's right. Mm. If I go onto the shade trees, when you yes. said your shade trees first, what yes. sort of height are you looking at there? Well, I don't think it can be very big. It's only it's like a ten meter by four meter garden. Okay. Um, and yeah, so look, you know, three meters. With the shade of, you can go for it. You can have leonemas and fabaliums, um, and there's quite a few different varieties out there that flower at this time of the year with um, anything from white to yellow flowers that will take the shade. Um, And also, Coria dusky bells is actually a really. No, no, but you're not asking for things that. You're not asking things that will give sh- give shade. Yes, yes, I need shade trees. Yes. She wants oh, shade, shade trees, trees to give shade. Oh, okay, mm. but you didn't want them too high. Well, not really. I think it's going to be um, out of out of sync with what's around, really. So we need. You, so you need a couple of big trees to. Oh, well, not big trees. A couple big of trees trees. to yes. give shade to things underneath, and That's also right. um, cars and things as well. Mm. And I was wondering about um, the. The grafted eucalypts, the dwarf eucalypts. Yes, that's a very good idea. And if if it's that, um, I would look at some mallee eucalypts. 
yes. Because yep. when you when you look at them, actually, if you whereabouts are you? Chelton. There is a really lovely garden in Melton, Melton Botanic Gardens, which has got heaps of mallees in there, and they also sell them, which is so it's a good place to go and get some. They've got a nursery. Yep. That's and the other side of that's the other side of town. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, it, it yeah. yes, it's yeah. a trip on a Saturday or Sunday when it's easy. Right. But it's I mean, you can have a look there what you know, the, the different mallees that are available and some of them are beautiful and they'll take those conditions, most of them. You know, they'll yeah, take that's a good idea. And they'll and you I mean you don't want to be bringing in piles of soil and if you can get things that'll take the soil you've got. Yes. And I've planted some from Melton, and they're struggling at my place because I've got this heavy clay soil. That's not what they want. You know, you think about the Mallee. It is not heavy clay soil and lots of rain. No, that's a good idea. So I think a couple of ukes is a really good idea. Grafted ukes probably a good idea. Mm. And then then you can start planting some, once they get up a bit, you can be planting some things that, you know, will appreciate a little bit of dappled light. And so you have flowers on them, Virginia, in, in winter or around about now? Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Which, which makes them interesting. Oh, they've yeah. got, yes. And the Mallees, the Mallee eucalypts have the largest flowers and they've got fabulous seeds. Mm. You know, they really, I've yeah. got one in my driveway, which is just yep. an absolute yep. mind blower. Mm. So I'm, I'm, I'm also thinking, um, Helen, with your situation, because you're going to have sandy soils, because you've got the heat, you're going to be ideally, uh, suited for some of your Western Australian um, wildflowers and, 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 and Australian natives. So, um, Sue, have you got any suggestions for Helen? Yeah, well, um, if you come into mind, the, the grevilles you can certainly put into conditions like that. Yeah. Um, any of the Banksyi grevilleas like peaches and cream will take uh, those sort of conditions. Um, in the silvery ones, uh, Tanunda, Labendulacea Tanunda is actually a really good um, smaller type grevillea. Yeah, that's in my garden. And Red it's beautiful. flowers. That's mm. in the botanical gardens too, in the dry gardens, mm. I think. Mm. Right. Um, yeah. Also, and some of the dampieras, the dampiera cobalt mound um, with a lovely blue flower will take uh, those conditions. And you could use things like uh, your brachys comb and um, the chrysocephalon. And we actually do one called sun buttons, which actually suckers. It's really lovely to get. Um, some lower sort of plantings with yeah. your yellow blues and mauves and things like an under yeah. plant around it. And you yep. can go to Sue's nursery on a Saturday morning. Sorry? You can okay. go to Sue's nursery where oh, she works right. on a Saturday okay. morning yeah. if you want we've that sun a, buttons. Yeah, yeah yep. we've got quite a few. Um, well, we've got grevilleas left at the moment, but it won't be long before we've sold out of them. We, this time of the year when they're all in flower, um, yeah, they, they sell they, really, yeah. really quickly. Yeah. Are there yeah. any small grevilleas that really would love the, the heat? Yes, well, um, the Tanunda will. Um, I've, I actually have brought in another one, but it's, uh, it's called Jinjin Jewel. And it's a uh, more of a ground cover. It only gets to about 15 centimetres tall. About two metres wide with a lovely little red flower. Uh-huh. Um, it's a new one of ours. Um, and we have another two that are smaller compact grevilleas that will only get to about 80 centimetres. Yep. Um, silver foliage. Um, one's called Raspberry Ripple. Right. And the other one is called Strawberry Smoothie. Right. And they flower through, um, they start to flower um, Sort of the end of autumn, right through winter, 
and they are both still flowering now in my garden. I'd say they're probably going to do another uh, two months. So anything up to about six months flowering with those, and they're very compact. Right. Oh, look, thanks very much. That's terrific. Okay. Let's give me a good start. Excellent. <laughs> good luck, Helen. Thanks very much. Okay, bye. Bye. Yes, I've, I've planted quite a few of those ones that Sue mentioned, and they are. They're, they're fantastic. Mm. They just continue on because the top of my garden is quite difficult. It's northwest, and it's on top of the hill. Yes. So it gets the cold winds, the hot winds. It gets every wind that is possible, mm. and it's, it's been difficult. Have you got dampieras? Yes. Yes, yes. I don't have a lot. No. I don't, I'm not confident about growing them. Yeah. No. But the cobalt mount that I was talking about, they've been in Virginia's in the teardrop garden. We've planted those like six years Isn't ago. It? Yes. And they don't get any water and they're um, in the frost conditions and they've been fantastic. Mm. It's very hardy, that one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because I've, I've personally found a couple of them quite hard to, they um, are. to keep going. Yeah. The strict, or linearis, I think they call it, but it can get a bit straggly. Right. It's like a um, tall sort of one that's yep. all right and purpurea dampiera purpurea is actually a pretty hardy one okay um you can get a lovely ground cover one that i've actually got that is in the west and that's um dampiera linearis and that's quite hardy but the western australian ones i've had trouble yes okay with them so it's not just me. <laughs> no i think no. We, we tend to do too much water from the sky Yes, yes, you know, they don't like it. Yeah, well, of course, and I'm on heavy clay too, Mm. so that doesn't help. No, the silvery type ones um, don't like the water. I'd I'd say winter's the problem with it. Yeah, Yeah. they're very pretty. I know, I know. Uh, You know, us gardeners always want something that that really we can't have. But we go on trying anyway. Absolutely. <laughs> and I've got this baronia in my garden, which I, it's been there for years now. And I mean, I've always thought, oh, I can't grow baronia too hard, but I've got one beavering on in yeah. flower at the moment. Yeah. Mm. We were just talking about baronias this morning because it's actually the time of the year that people go out to the nurseries to um, get the baronias, even if it is only going to last for 12 months in a pot. But um, for people that haven't grown baronias, I've successfully grown them at home. Um, but unfortunately, I had a big tree came down right through the garden where I had my baronias and and, oh. and squashed them. I've had them in the garden for up to four years. Right. And what they actually want is moist, well-drained soil, and they want dappled light. Um, the other thing that I've found, too, is that they don't like um, heat around the roots, and I put under felt underneath where my baronias were to keep the ground cooler okay. and then the mulch on it. So I was just saying to Virginia, they're almost a bit like a clematis that they want their roots down cooler okay. and then that dappled sun. Yep. But they don't like afternoon sun. Okay. And if they do dry out in the ground, you you, ought, you can't turn that back. Mm. Like it's, yep. they suffer from stress. But okay. Yeah, so I'd had them in the ground for, yeah, three or four years. Oh, wow. Mm. Okay. The pink baronias seem to be a lot tougher. They do. Look, I brought in um, baronia lipstick, um, which is a heterophila, I think they call that, um, baronia. But that one, it's absolutely beautiful, but you do need to keep that ground moist to, yep. to keep it going. If you keep it moist, you'll get quite a few years out of um, that. People love it for the colour. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I've got the purple one, and, okay. it's, and it's 
It doesn't get, I mean, what I have done is planted on the southern side of the house, so it's protected from the hot west and north winds. Yep. But I don't water it. No. Because, you know, being on tank, by the time I get that. That Mm. has been in for about six years Mm. in your garden, and Mm. when I gave it to Virginia, she said it's not going to live, and I'm amazed at how well that's done. Mm. Okay. It's beautiful. Mm. We've actually got a new one we're selling at Bushland Flora that's similar to that Virginia called... uh, I think it's blue jarret or black jarret, so the same sort of foliage with a lovely little flower. And uh, we're actually selling the megastigma, the brown one, and also the yellow one called Heaven Scent, which is yep. also very lovely. Been around for a long time. Yes, yeah, yeah. fantastic. Okay, uh, we'll go next to uh, Anne in Oak Park. Good morning, Anne. Uh, good morning, panel. Uh, I'd like to talk about daffodils this morning. I've got some daffodils in three pots. There's three or four clumps in each pot, and the daffodils are in bloom. And I want to know, do you break them up or cut them up to transplant them into a larger pot or into the ground, or what do you do? Um, I think with your daffodils, you need to separate... Well, I don't do this, I might add. I just leave them. But they do say you should... dig them up every few years and separate them. If they're in pots, you obviously need to re-pot, re-pot because you need good soil and you need to feed them at the end of their flowering so that they're putting, right. putting when, in... When would that be? Well, at right. as soon as they stop yes. flowering, right. before the leaves die down. See, what you're doing is you're feeding the bulb so it can make For next, next year's year. flowers. I actually right. feed mine while they're flowering every couple of weeks too. Mm. Um, it doesn't hurt. No, it can actually prolong the flowering, I found, of the um, plant, and then you tend to get more, um, well, I've found this, I don't know if it's right, but, yeah, they multiply quite quickly. Okay. But they say with um, things like that, so every second to third year, if you let your clumps get too big, I've found that you don't get the flowering mm, as well. We you're better to separate. Yes. And if you just take them out and tease them out gently... Um, and just sometimes you just have to slightly break break them apart. You can successfully transplant them. And the other thing I've found, Anne, is that where I've planted them in the grass, they haven't done nearly as well as where I've planted them in the garden beds. I think the competition from some of our tougher grasses is too yeah. hard for them. Whereas no. in Britain, you know, they're just planted through yes, the, that's right. through the grasses quite happily, but. For me, that doesn't work. And yeah. when do you transplant them? Is it in the spring? It doesn't matter, actually. I even um, transplant mine now um, because I can see what's actually happening. So I've actually lifted. You can successfully even lift your daffodils now and if you're very, very careful and transplant them. I do it that way because I can actually see when the clumps are up what I'm trying to do yep. and just go in... If you if it ends up that you do put them into the garden when you've got a big clump, I just remove the outer little bulbs from around it and then make uh, new clumps with that. And and when you shift them again, water them water them in with, with liquid seaweed. Salt. Yeah, yeah. And and do that you know about three or three or four times until they start to brown off. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, right. it, it helps okay, with the shock. Thank you very much. Okay. Bye. Bye. That number, we're running through until 9.15, of course, our usual time slot. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, the number to speak to the team on air, 
0155 or to speak to Carol on the outside line 9419 8377. Ah, Graham, you brought in some roses. Let's talk roses for a minute. Some more of these beautiful things, Pam. Which aren't in flower. (laughs) Aren't in flower. (laughs) But they're full Um, of good intent. Yes, Yes, they are. (laughs) They Um, intend to flower. (laughs) um, I've got a rose here called Sister Emmanuel. And obviously named after one of the sisters from the um, um, the Catholic orders. Yes. But this rose has been in our garden now, oh, would be ten years, and it's one of the toughest I've ever known of to grow. And it's a it's a mid pink, beautiful pink, full flower, and it's got an amazing perfume as well. Okay. And uh, and and it's a it's it's a a rose that you can pick and holds on very well in the vase because it's got. Uh, probably about 55 petals in the rose itself. So that's Sister Emmanuel. Mm-hmm. And that's a Delbard. One of the Delbards. Yes. And, of course, most of the Delbards are renowned for their great perfume, which is really yes. good. Yes, mm. But a, a real good, tough rose. Mm. Yes. And the other one? The, the other one's a David Austin rose. Now, this David Austin rose is, is uh, dark, uh, almost black red. Okay. And, um, again, I've got... Um, uh, four of these bushes in, in, in the garden, and I'm hoping to get seed from it. Right. Because this colour has always been popular. Which? This is called, good point, which? <laughs> Munstead wood. Oh, yes, I know Munstead okay. wood. Okay, and it will grow about knee high. Yep. So it'll make a fantastic border, and it will hold up very well uh, picked and put in a, a bowl with a stem about, um, oh, in the old language, about three inches long. Mm. And so it holds up very well, and it's a very full flower. It's not your normal. So it's a classic David Austin. Yeah, a real yes. classic David Austin. I, I believe it's one of his best that he's ever bred. And okay. And the mm. colour is it's it's really dark. dark yes, dark. I've, yeah. I've got mm. it at my back door. Yeah. I planted it about two years ago, and it's been mm. fantastic. Mm. Okay. Mm. And it's are, one yes. of the ones where I've actually managed not to lose the label. <laughs> so I, I know what it is. There's, I'm there's, sure I'll lose it in the next six months. There's an unbiased opinion, see, in the, <laughs> in, in the studio from uh, Virginia. But it's, it's a really good rose and, and a nice manageable size, you know, just knee high. Yes, it goes well, very well in the pot. Really? Brilliantly in the pot. Really yep. is. It's a good, great rose. Okay. Brilliant. So they're really two good roses. And, again, it's got a perfume too, which mm. is really good, nice perfume. Mm. Yes, I, I try now only to buy roses with perfume. Mm. It just seems silly not to, mm. well, given there are so many. Yes, that's right. Mm. Although John Neuenstieg has just given me a rose, which he says I have to have. Yes. He says, you're, you're a member of Plant Trust. I insist you plant this because it's rare. If John said that you, you would you'd be shaking you in your boots. You, and he, he came round and found it unplanted, went into the shed and got a, sh- a shovel <laughs> and went in, into my front and dug a big hole and put it in. <laughs> directed me off to get some seaweed for it. And it's going to be huge. Okay. And, but he said it was, it was brought in under dubious circumstances from China and there's very few of them and he wants it spread around a bit so it doesn't disappear. Right. And what's, what was the name of it? I've forgotten. Oh, <laughs> there you go. Just, that helps. We know if you say the I've forgotten rose. The <laughs> I've forgotten rose that came in, in under dubious yeah. circumstances yeah. from China. 
So if it's going to be huge, maybe we can share some cuttings around. Absolutely. Well, I think once it gets up, I think we should because John's obviously concerned because that, that it's because yes. roses, old roses, do disappear because they there's do. so yeah. many new ones mm. come on. Yes. Mm. What was the name of the rose that we've just bought? That's yellow with the red that comes from Persia. Single, a single bloom. Yes. Absolutely right. beautiful. They're very, very. Um, Something like Red. Not Eyes for You, but something like... Are you listening, Diana? You know the name of this one. Um, it was released by Australian Roses, and it's part of a series. Yes, yes and, that's and, right. And they're really tough. And it's got an amazing centre. It's yes. yellow with this really, really pinky red yeah, centre, yeah. so it's okay. quite striking. Got that from John, too. And absolutely yeah. so vigorous. Virginia actually bought it for me for a present, and I've got it at the back door where I've put it. Yeah. And I cannot believe how well that... that Rose has been flowering all winter. Mm-hmm. Goodness, yeah, it's, it's part of the eyes for you series. Yes, yes. Right. I love those eyes for you, and, and they they really are tough, and they've gone back in their breeding um, to 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 the species. Because yellow came from Persia, didn't it? Yes. That was where, yeah. where yellow came, because the yeah. the European roses were all in the pink range. Is yes. that right? Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I was going okay. to say too, Graham. I got a um, a lot of roses from you. I ordered. I only walked down one aisle, and I managed to find six. I didn't walk down the other one in case I found another six roses. Because <laughs> um, Silky's roses have a wonderful display every year at Tesla. Uh, yeah. So they bring all the um, vases and fill them with roses and. Honestly, when you smell them, you'd have to have every single one of them. <laughs> so I got them all bare-rooted, and I've actually put them into um, a new mix we're using from work, which yes. is coir-peat yes. um, sort of mix, yes. quite high potassium as well. Yes. And they're ab- absolutely booming mm-hmm. until I managed to find some spots to uh, mm-hmm. plant them. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. The coir-peat's fantastic. We use it that in our potting mix. Yes. And it's got the ability to hold the moisture Right down the, the threads of the of the it's coconut fibre. Yes, yes, okay? yes. Down the threads, and and that, this has been researched especially by the Dutch Dutch nurserymen. Yes. Yeah. Of the other thing, I've got a little trial at the moment. I'm actually trying some banksias, which seem to be really liking it. They've only been in tubes at the moment mm. because when you sort of go from a cutting into a tube, it actually takes quite a while for the root system mm-hmm. and everything to take off. Mm. Um, but when I I rescued a couple of banksias uh, that were looking a bit straggly from work and we had some reused coir mm-hmm. and put it into the ground and those banksias have doubled mm-hmm. planting it into that. So, oh, so they obviously really, really like it. Really, really good. Yeah. And the other thing I've found too for people, that, and I know it goes against what people say with succulents, but I actually used um, the coir peat to plant my succulents in. Okay. And they're really good because they're getting the water. Yep. And then it can also dry out. Yes. Um, and they're really loving it. Okay. Yeah. And, of yep. course, coconut fibres are a renewable resource. Exactly. Okay. They're doing coconut fi- yep. fibre comes from chopped up coconuts and the fibres that are on the plant itself. Yep. yep. And that's, of course... Is, and is, in is, Britain, is, they're trying very much to stop peat because the peat use... Oh, peat is... Because it's be so not renewable. Yeah, and that's what they're terrible. switching to. The, the other thing is that potassium that's contained in mm. the um, coconut fibre mm. is what actually helps to make the plants more drought tolerant. Mm. So mm. 
it's, it's, it actually benefits the plant, mm. Mm. Um, strengthens potassium. it up. Potassium is yep. really good for getting more flowers. Flowers too, And the immune system, they're using um, mm. potassium bicarbonate is used in uh, winemaking as actually a preservative mm. and they've been using it in the nursery industry into um, natural fungicides for, okay. for plants mm. as well yep. mm. and strengthens the immune the plants are the same as us, so they benefit for potassium's needed for us for mm. our um, regulating our electrolytes and that, and it's exactly the same in mm. plants. Mm. Well, the, the eco rose fungicide yes. is based on bi, uh, bicarbonate soda. That's right. Bicarbonate yeah. soda used in cooking. Yes. Okay. Yeah. 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 Virginia, you've had a few queries come. I up. have, and there's an excellent one from one caller has rung in and said one Melton Botanic Gardens. Ha- will be on sale today at the Yarra Yarra Plant Sale in Eltham. Ah, So that's handy. And she also suggested Eucalyptus westeriana, which is a small tree about three metres high from Western Australia and an excellent book by Dean Nicole called Small Eucalypts. Oh, that's So she had lots of suggestions. Yes, that's excellent. For our caller. Yep. And um, somebody else rang in saying where can they buy an Acacia leprosa? Now, for people who don't know what Acacia leprosa is, it's uh, the only red-flowered wattle. No. No, no. No, no, that's blaze. Scarlet blaze. Scarlet Scarlet blaze, yes. So which one's leprosa? Leprosa is like a weeping uh, wattle. Ah, yes, 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 yes. yes, yes. With a a really unusual leaf. Um, It's available at most uh, nurseries, but Poynton's Nursery that's out in Maribyrnong would probably have... They're uh, very likely to have it, yes. and they would definitely be able to get it in for you. That's right. Which is yeah. important. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Okay, excellent. And I've got two more, but we, we might go to our next caller. We have Elaine in Burwood online. Good morning, Elaine. Oh, good morning. I'm ringing about my Gloriosa lily. Hmm. Um, it's all died down now, the plant, and but I've got two big green... No. One's green, one's brown buds. They're long as a sausage and about as round. And uh, the one with the dry shell, the brown shell, uh, has uh, got little orange berries sticking out that sort of look a bit glassy. Um, I wondered now if you could advise me how and when I should plant them. Do you, where are they? Where are they? They're still delicately sitting in their bud. So they're in a pot? Yes, yes. I find the only way I can glow, go, hang on, grow, grow gloriosa, too many goods there, is in pots. I can't grow them in the ground. Oh, no. Well, uh, it's because you've got to bring them in and the, the pot, uh, I couldn't dig them up or anything. No. So I put them in the, the one... Uh, so you've got them in pots. I planted that, uh, well, it was what they told me, somewhere about five inches deep or something. And... Uh, I only have had it 12 months and was so thrilled with a beautiful flower. I know, they are absolutely wonderful, aren't they? Well, I've got a friend who lives down, um, boom, 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 
going down towards Portsea, mm. and she just keeps them in pots, yes. feeds them properly every year, and keeps them in pots and just moves them out a little bit, you know, when there's no, when it's not frosty again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just moves them out every year and up they go and then she moves them back into more protection over the winter every year. She repots and puts, gives them a good feed and just thinks they're as easy as easy to grow. And given they're very weedy in some parts of Australia, I suppose they are easy to grow somewhere. But I I think up north they're quite weedy. But, of course, they're not here. I think for us they're, um, you know, we're a bit on the edge of the range in that we get a bit cold for them really. Yes. Which is another reason why they do better oh, in pots. Oh, well, I have this trolley thing that uh, men run round with off the back of their trucks. And if they've got a heavy parcel, they put it on and push the parcel into the shops. Mm. I've got one of those trolleys. I don't know what the name is. But uh, anyway, uh, I've pushed mine into the garage. Right. Okay. I would have thought it's pretty soon you'll want to get them out. Because yes. the days are warming up. Yes. I've, I've been kind to it. I've been bringing it out in the sun and then dashing it back in at 4 or 5 p.m. in the afternoon. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yes, well, I think that's the way to go and just give them a good feed. I, I have seen one in Fitzroy that grows in the ground. Oh. And I'm jealous of it. Oh, I would be too. <laughs> yes, but I think there's no hope of doing it in several in the ground. I think no. I've tried and they, they just do not last. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, there's just certain things I think have to stay. And I hate things being in pots because they demand to be watered all through mm. the summer. Oh, they require a lot more work. Mm. Well, I'm worrying about the seeds now. Um do I just let them fall on the top of the pot or do I uh, gather them up and put them in uh, other pots now? I have absolutely no idea. I would in, because that's what I tend to do is I get excited and I, and I you know, put seeds on, a, in, on top of a pot or in a pot. Oh, if they're very, the very fine, I leave them on top. If they're a bit bigger, I put them underneath and then just hope. But that's, that's not a terribly scientific answer, I have to admit. Well, have you ever... they're sitting there with stocking toes over them, how they don't drop down and I lose them at the moment. Yes, but yes. Not very good idea. Well, I'd, I'd have a go at, um, you know, have a go at growing the seed. It'd be fabulous if you succeeded. Oh, well. It'll take a while for them to flower. Because they, they are a sort of a bowl. I haven't got that many years. I'm 87 now. <laughs> <laughs> As Stephen says, it gives you something to live for. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, good. Yes, I must say. Uh, pass it on in the family. keeps me alive. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, you know, you might make it to 110, and that's plenty of time. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, I don't know if you knew up there today that it's, Fernie Creek Flower Show. Yes, yes we yes. mentioned it earlier. Oh, did you? Yes. Oh, that's when I must have been on another station. No, you were that's still fine. in bed. Now, <laughs> Elaine, keep listening because Lee, my friend who grows them, has just rung in and she will... Oh, I want Lee's phone number, please. Well, she's just about to she's talk about to us. We're about to talk to her next. All right, goodbye. Okay. And lovely to hear all of you again because I haven't heard you for... 
since I had the shocking, shocking flu a couple of years ago. Oh, dear. I've been ill for 18 months. Oh, oh poor just thing. Doing things again now. Well, the Gloriosa will make you feel better when it comes into flower. Oh, certainly it will. <laughs> Good. <laughs> okay, Elaine. Bye for, for everyone. Bye. Bye. And like we said, we're going next to Lee in Merrick's North. Good morning, Lee. Good morning, Virginia and panel. Um, I was listening to that discussion about the Gloriosas. I've uh, had quite a lot of success with Gloriosas. The lady before me mentioned the little orange berries. Of course, they're the seeds, and I've had them striking readily. I put them in, you know, just raised them up like any other seeds in the seed-raising mixture, and away they come. I think I gave Virginia one or two. You did. Um, the bigger things, the strange things that are under the soil, uh, they're sort of like a, I don't know, they're a rhizome or they're not a bulb, they're a long, banana-y looking... They are very... Ban- yeah, they are like tiny bananas, aren't they? They're quite weird. Yeah, and they're very brittle, so that's why you don't really want to put them in the ground where you might want to have to sink a fork or a spade yes. in. They're very brittle, they break very easily. I think you can... I've broken some from time to time and planted them as two halves because they're too big to fit in the pot. Uh, I pot them, repot them any time from about now till, say, November mm-hmm. every year. I knock out the pots, repot them, um, and stand back, and away they go. You need I... something for them to climb up. Yours are so wonderful, Lee. Well, they're reliable, I must say, and, and as Virginia said, I just put them round behind the shed during the rest of the year when they yep. died down, and I haul them out for the, the, you know, so I can enjoy them um, when they're doing it. Fantastic. So, de- so, so Elaine should definitely have a go at the seeds. At the seeds, little orange berries that she mentioned, where the flowers have been. Yep. They form a, a little pod, and the pod has little orange berries in. Um, I dry them out just a little bit, not a lot. I don't fuss too much, but they've got sort of a fleshy, the orange thing's quite fleshy and juicy. And in there, there's a seed. I just plant, let them dry a little bit, and then put them into some seed raising mixture. Okay. Fantastic, Lee. Thank you. You're most welcome. Good luck to the lady with the Gloriosa. They're, they're worthwhile. They just keep me amused all summer. Yes. They have a, a lovely way of climbing. Their little tendicles, tendrils, hold hands, as it were. <laughs> and they help each other up the, up the support. Fantastic. Okay. Did you, you want to say something, Sue? Not on the glory oh, Okay. Yeah, no, no that's fine. Okay, I'll just let Lee go then. Yeah. Okay, thanks for your help, Lee. Bye. Bye. I just owe Virginia an apology because I didn't realise Scarlet Blaze was actually part of the Leprosa family. There you um, go. I've just called up the photograph there because we only do like a lemon-flowered uh, weeping one at work. So, right. Yeah. Because the Leprosa, the Scarlet Blaze is really interesting. It's the only one that exists. Yes. It was found in Victoria as a sport in the bush. And then the one in the bush was actually murdered by people taking too many cuttings off it. Mm. And it's never been found in the wild again. Mm. But you can buy Scarlet Blaze around. Mm. And it's, it's rather beautiful. Mm. I lost one when I planted it. Well, actually, quite a few people, when it first came out, quite a few people, including me, lost them. Mm. They, yeah. they, you know, they, they didn't seem to establish very easily. Well, the one, so there's a couple in the botanic gardens just near the herbarium, and they've been doing well. Okay. I'm going to have another go at it, because I think, 
I, it was a long time ago I tried to plant it and I was less careful. Yes. And probably less knowledgeable. Yes. You know, it was 10 years ago. Yep. Mm-hmm. I've seen um, on my phone, I've got actually some pictures. I belong to the Australian Native Plant Enthusiastic Forum. So people okay. post a lot of pictures of their gardens and there's a lot of people that uh, specialise in Australian natives and uh, protecting um, them from being extinct. And... Uh, I've got some beautiful pictures so from people that are growing scarlet flies actually in their gardens. One of the, the pictures that I've got here is from a garden um, over in Croydon North. So okay. it's quite spectacular. Yeah, mm. it is. It's lovely. I've got a few more from outside, if I might. Yes, go for it. Um, somebody rang in and I don't, I'm hoping the rest of the panel can help me here. They're looking, it's Michael from Forest Hill. And he's looking for plants that will reduce traffic noise. Calistamines are really good for that, would you say, mm-hmm. Graham? Yep. Yeah. Yep, calistamines are great. Yeah. Mm. I suppose anything that hedges successfully. Anything yeah. that's going to be fairly dense. Mm. Yeah, leptospernum copper glow is another one um, that can get a quite dense top and get to about two and a half metres, or white opal, Yes, mm. you could use. Um, also the uh, dodonias. Uh, you could use as well. I love dodonias. My mm. dodonias are so beautiful. It is. We mm. didn't put a picture up on the Facebook page of that. We well, should. Don't be naughty. We, well, we photographed could... it yesterday. <laughs> we, let's put it up after the show. Yes. So, so, that, so that Michael knows what a dodonia looks like. Yeah. Okay. Because uh, that's basically what we're looking for, isn't it? Something that's quite dense. Yes. How, mm. how tall will that get? The one Virginia's got some five foot. Yeah, okay. and you can get dodonias. I've got them up to two metres, mm-hmm. but there is another one, and it's um, slipped my mind now. That's just basically green, mm. and it's like neighbours. Not neighbours, but where? What's the name of the hedging dodonia that they brought? Neighbours be gone. Mm. Maybe. All right. Yeah, there's also a green dodonia that can be used as a hedging plant. Is okay. what I was. And where thinking. can they get dodonias from? Well. Um, Bushland flora, where Sue works, we sell. Where Sue works there, yeah. Yeah, so 110 Clegg Road, Mount Evelyn. I'm not sure if we had them in stock. Mm. Um, Karanga would sell a Dodonia. Bunnings, I'm sure, would also sell them. Um, Yeah, it depends on where is he? Forest Forest Hill. Hill. Mm. Yeah. Um, Well, I think there's a Bunnings out that way. They would sell it as well. And there's also going to be a number, of, a number of exotics that would fit the bill. Mm. I mean, you could do. We don't know which way this oh, is facing, okay. but you, you know, you could do a camellia hedge because a camellia hedge is quite, it's dense, quite dense and yes. can be very lovely, very yes. beautiful. And it's um, a com- if you depending which way you're facing, which camellia you'd use. But there's always a camellia for every situation. If you're in the shade, you'd want japonica. If you're not. You'd look for a Camellia Williamsii, I suspect. Mm. So I think there are quite a lot of and options also, you can go for, Michael. Also, Syzygiums you could use is make a great hedge too. Your hinterland gold or um, uh, resilience uh, too that come to mind. Mm. Yeah. Never at my place. <laughs> no, I <mine> neither. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Okay, well, that certainly gives Michael quite a few to go on. Um, do you have any others there, Virginia? Well, yes, we had, we had an email from someone who wanted to know who's been into Fitzroy Gardens. And Fitzroy Gardens is, I walk my daughter's dog there, and it is very lovely. And it's always, there's always something happening in that garden. It's a beautiful garden to walk around. It's big, you know, it's about 
Oh, it is. 30 hectares yes, or something. It's, it's a big garden, which means... It's, and it's a lovely place at dusk because I send tourists there or to the bit behind Parliament because... You can always find possums there, mm. and they're quite tame, so, mm. and tourists love to see a possum. But he <laughs> You're was welcome to them. <laughs> yeah, mate. <laughs> I, love, I love a possum. And he wanted to know what the aloe is. Now, I'm not sure, because I haven't actually clocked it recently or thought about it. Yes. But um, Louise on the outside line, and I suspect it might be aloe ferox. Okay. So if he has a look for aloe ferox, which is the common name for the bitter aloe, we think that that's in flower now. We think that might be the one. I mean, aloes are wonderful. There's a lot in the botanic gardens. If he wants to wander around the botanic soon, he'll see lots of aloes there in flower. Well, if he Googles looking very that, beautiful. If he Googles ferox, and, and, and hopefully that will come up with some illustrations. Absolutely. Some photos, and he can see if that's the one. And the final one I've had is from Jan in Lilydale, who just wanted to say that the Sylvan Dam is not being looked after properly. Okay. I haven't stopped at the at the back of the Sylvan Dam. There's a beautiful big park which yes. you can walk in, and I yes. haven't stopped there for ages. I might do that this week to to have a look mm. because I, I drive past it, which is not the same. It's not the same <laughs> at all. You don't look properly. Yes. Yeah, well, take an interest, folks. You know, we own those facilities. Absolutely. They're, they're community um, facilities. Yes, yes yeah. definitely. Mm. So, you know, talk to your local parks and gardens mm. or local council and mm. um, try and find out what's happening. Mm. Well, Sylvan Dam would be... Um, Melbourne water. water. Melbourne mm. water. And, you know, they are quite self-conscious usually about keeping... Yes. They've yeah. been very good over the years. Yes. Yep. Yep. Yes. Well, there's a few of them. I mean, we've got Maroonda as well that used mm. to have a lovely big garden there. Beautiful. Mm. Yes. So I haven't been there I for a while. I haven't been there for years. No, I've been there. I was there probably last year. Okay. But, yes. Mm. All right. Excellent. Sue, let's talk about some more plants while we've got the time. Okay. I've brought lots in because I've been raiding my garden at the moment. One I do want to talk about, a lot of people haven't seen, it's called an Astralacia hexapetala and it's a two metre roughly Australian native shrub that will tolerate uh, a little bit of moisture but dry ground Um, silvery green sort of leaves but a beautiful white flower that has dark yellow stamens that sort of really stand out on the plant um, absolutely, it's just coming into uh, bud now and it flowers for months and um, it's a really good centrepiece in a garden. It's another one of those plants that I've taken the lower stems out and I have all my bulbs and uh, epimediums and things all around it. Okay. Um, and then I've got the foliage up the top. But also if you didn't, it would probably be quite a good hedging plant. It's just beautiful. Yeah, it tends to have the foliage more... At the top, it almost looks like a small tree or shrub. Yep, okay. yep, yep. Give, um, it, give us the name again, Sue. People won't have caught that. Astralacia, A S T E R O L A S I A, hexapetala, H E X A P E T A L A, and I got this at Karanga, and I've had it in the garden for probably about seven years and it's just been performing beautifully. Yeah. And obviously flowering now. Yes, mm. yes. But a lot of the Australian natives I love, um, things like pomodiris and things like that because you have all the little um, 
flowerette sort, sort of mm. thing before they even open. You get months and months of mm. beauty mm. Um, having those sort of things in the garden. Yep. Yep. Mm. Fantastic. Uh, okay. Um, and from Northcote, wants uh, your opinion, Graham, on putting crushed eggshells around uh, roses. Um, yes, Pam, if, if you are able to um, really crush them, crush them um, I actually use that and I put them in apple cider vinegar uh, on the bench in the kitchen and all the eggshells that we have, I just bash them down with the um, ladle that we use in the fry pan and that's great calcium. Mm. And I know of people that even do that with the eggshells and give it straight to their chooks because mm. calcium is a big issue with eggs and, of course, calcium is big in our body, isn't it? Yep. yep. So to put it back onto the garden, great idea. Why do you put it into the vinegar? To help break it down. Ah, okay. okay. I use it. And then I take it from there and put it in top of the bakashi bucket. Yep. Okay, and that then starts to, you know, permeate down through the bakashi. But you wouldn't want to put um, your, your vinegar mixture straight onto the garden. Pam, we never had a problem. Haven't you? No. Cider no. vinegar. You have cider vinegar. Cider mm. vinegar, yes. softer than, yes, yeah. yes. Or you could put it into lemon juice. Lemon juice actually in the body turns alkaline oh, after yes. it goes in your body, mm. yeah. Yep. I mm. use it around my my um, cleanthus, All right. the parrot's beak, because I love it. It's a yep. beautiful shrub, and it is so attacked by snails. Right. Mm. So that I, and that's the main thing, and I also put it around new small things. I put eggshells around, so I crush them up, but so they're still a bit unpleasant. Yeah, you wouldn't want them completely crushed, though. No, I don't. Using it against snails. Yes, and I use them against snails, and I find it's a really useful against snails. Mm. And, of mm. course, the side product is it does give some calcium into the soil. Mm. Yes, exactly. I, I was recently reading in a book that's um, it's something like Grandma's Tips or whatever from the olden days, and it was saying in there that if you actually put those eggshells and dry them slowly in an oven, it makes the eggshell more like razor blades for where the... Uh, so oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It toughens the shell toughens up a bit. The shell up. Yeah, yeah. Yep. That's usually what I do. That makes sense. I put them in the when I've got a you know a good few, I break them, then put them in the oven, oven. for mm. a, you know half an hour. Well, even if you've been using the oven when you turn it off, yes. when you finish cooking, it, it still retains its heat. So mm. just throw them in then, and yeah, okay, excellent idea. All right, um, as I mentioned, we're running through until 9.15. If you do want to ask a gardening question this morning, jump on the lines. Uh, we do have time to take your calls at the moment, so 94190155 to speak to Graham, Virginia and Sue on the line. Or um, if you'd like to speak to Carol on the outside line, 94198377. Okay. Sue's suggesting that because we put a photo up of my dam that I should actually mention what's happening to my dam. Okay. My dam has been leaking. Right. Well, it doesn't leak. It leaches. Leaches, right. It just leaches. So the back of the dam is always a nice soft green. Right. Which is not desirable at all. And so I've I've just got fed up. And Philip Johnson lives around the corner from me, so I've got him in to fix it up. And it's it's progressing, and it's such a relief to think that I am going to have a dam that holds water again. So oh. how's he fixing it up? We're li- we're actually lining it. Right. We're lining it because that red soil that mm. lining that, it with what? With with um, three layers of lining, um, 
a rubber and two geo mm-hmm. stuff. Right. And um and and of course Philip always does huge amounts of rocks, but I don't want huge amounts of rocks, so I've got a very few rocks, huge amount of rocks, not my thing. But um, and and we and we pumped all the water in it down to my bottom dam, which is okay. in the in the bottom paddock. Yes. And when we got to the bottom, we found three long necked turtles. Really? Which mm. I was so excited. Mm. So we very carefully picked them up, walked them down to the bottom dam, and put them in the bottom dam. Okay. And I'm hoping they'll return. Mm. Yeah. And I every year I get, I think it's the same pair of ducks, and they're very put out. That there's, all there's the water's no moved, yes. but it's just coming back now. I've I'm, I've got a solar pump from the bottom dam, and I've just left it on the whole time because because okay. I need to get it back. So you're repumping. So it's pumping up, and the ducks are even though it's you know only sort of two foot deep, they're still very happy. But at least see there's some water coming. Yeah, <laughs> the water's coming, and I'm hoping the frogs will come back too. Yep. Brilliant. And, and I do hope my beautiful long-necked turtles. Oh, I mean, yes. How exciting finding that, them in there. That's fantastic. Yeah. Oh, I'd wow. S- I'd seen one of them, but to find three, I thought that was just a little bit of heaven. Yes. Mm. So that's, that's amazing. So if you have a look at our 3CR site, on Facebook site, you'll see my, the mess of my dam at the moment. And um, you know, folks, in your own garden, you can have little dams. When we start, as, as people out in, the, out in a bit of acreage, people think of big dams, but mm. little dams like swales, can store water. Mm. And we have to learn to store water more and more and more because gardening's all about, as a friend of mine says, water and rock, mate, that's all it's about. Mm-hmm. And rock, of course, is what makes up soil. Mm. Well, and of course, uh, the other beauty of having swales in your garden is that you're not, you're not having all that water as runoff, mm. which is taking all your topsoil and mm. you, you're just losing everything. Mm. By, by breaking up, yes. um, if you've got a slope, by breaking it up with swales, you're yeah. going to retain that water on site. Mm. Mm. Even if it doesn't actually store, it's mm. at least going to have a chance to hold it and for it to soak in. Mm-hmm. Peter Andrews in his book um, talks about using swales and, and on, the, on the downside of a swale, he, he said his experiments have shown that water will stay in the ground anything up to 50 metres on the downward side. Okay. So this, to store water in the ground rather yeah. than... On the, on the ground is yep. storing Got to be better. It, you know, exposed to the weather is very inefficient. Mm. Mm. Yes. Setting no, the inefficient. Yes, yes. Mm. and just anything to slow mm-hmm. that runoff. Mm. Yes, exactly. I mean, that, it's one of the things they've been doing in the botanic gardens. You know, when there's yes. a huge storm, you just get this massive runoff in the streets around the gardens. Yes, and they now channel that into the gardens, mm. take it down, and then take it into a canna lily bed. Mm-hmm. Which where they stop it because of course coming off the street it's got all those South Yarra ladies who put too much fertilizer on their gardens, mm. <laughs> all the and detergents, all the dog poo, yes, all the McDonald's, yes. you yes. know there's all sorts of mm. new, too much nutrients. So by yep. stopping the water in in the canna bed, mm. the canners will then use a lot of the nutrients, and mm. then after it's been sitting there, then it will go down. Into the bottom lake. Mm. So canners operate like a reed bed. Yes, mm. well, they're basically filtering the water. They're filtering the water, and of course, a canner will exist in the dry and exist in the wet. There mm. are not a lot of plants that can actually take the dry of the summer. Mm. Yes. But still exist when the storm comes and mm. sit in water. Yes. And, and they're very beautiful in mm. summer when they're all out. Oh, yes. They don't look so beautiful now. Well, they're just coming back. Yes. But, you know, they're not, it's not an exciting winter bed, and it's, Unlike the botanic to have anything that's not perfect all year. 
But, I mean, the, the purpose of it is to clean the water. Exactly, yep. Well, to dig an edge around your garden beds is actually creating a little mini swale. Yes, yes. it is. And, and it became fashionable not to do that, but it's a good idea just to chip around the edge, even if it's down, you know, the old language, about three inches. And when you get that rain, it'll, it'll run into that channel and, and then sit there and, and, sit there and then f- finally spread and through the, your bed. And the other thing of doing that, that mm. spade edge mm. down, is it's a way of stopping the grass getting into your yeah. bed, which yeah. is just fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And you can come back and fill that little trench up even with straw, mm. which you, and then helps to stop evaporation. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I've done all my front garden beds like that because I'm on a slope and mm. now channel it off from the driveway. Alan's dug in little drains. We've watched where the water goes. and okay. now runs mm. into the garden bed where the oak tree is. Um, and all the other garden beds because they're on the slope and yep. it's uh, that they're new garden beds. But I'm amazed this year at how they've improved because of the water runoff mm-hmm. into mm-hmm. into those gardens. And, and I do exactly what Virginia said and do a spade depth, and it just stops the grass and cooch and all yes. sorts of things mm. coming in. Exactly. See, yeah, we, we, in this garden show, we don't just talk about it, we talk about doing it. <laughs> we are. Yeah, we do, do it. it. <laughs> okay, well, our next caller, uh, we have a very good friend online, friend of the gardening show. We have Thomas in Albert Park. Good morning, Thomas. Good morning, Pam, Virginia, Sue, Graham. Um, I've got a bit of, I've got a borer in my Japanese maple. Oh, is there any tricks for getting rid of them? Oh, Thomas, I don't know. Well, that's okay. <laughs> um, I, th- I mean, people say that if you bore into the borers, you know, you, could, you disturb them. But I, I honestly, well, I've, I've heard, I've heard suggestions of putting methylated spirits, injecting it down into the borer holes. I've also heard suggestions of getting um, a long wire, and you actually. Mm poke that down the borer holes and skewer them. But, I mean, that's, a, that's one hole at a time, and it depends how bad your infestation is. Talk to some arboriculturists. Okay, Graham. Have a yarn with them. Yeah, mate. that might be a good idea. Mm, mm, okay. Yeah. Well, thank you, everybody. And, Thomas, yeah. on the 3rd of October at 2 o'clock, I am doing a walk. I shall see you there, gorgeous. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> bye. Okay, bye, Thomas. Good luck with that one. Yeah. Oh dear, yes, borers. Yes, mm. horrible. Yes, horrible. Yes, um, I've got an albizia, mm. and I've got um, Farmer Graham comes and, uh, and gardens for me one morning a week. And when he saw the albizia, he says, "Oh, that won't last long." I said, "Why not?" They're not. Oh, they get borer. Mm. Mm. I love albizia; it's a beautiful thing. Mm. Mm. But um. It yes, is, it is some, problematic. Some definitely mm. seem to be more susceptible than others. Mm. Yes, for sure. Okay, another plant. Sue? Oh, I was going to get Virginia to talk about okay. a treasure that we've just uh, found out about. Yesterday, Sue bought me a plant called Labernocystis adamii. And it's a mouthful. It is a mouthful, and it's absolute. Well, I mean, it is now a stick because... Yes, it's, it's it's as tall as me, the stick, or nearly as tall as okay. me. It's a nice nice plant bought at Garden Express, but it's a really unusual plant in that it's a cross between a cystus and a laburnum. Right now, laburnum have those beautiful long flowers, mm. ye- long yellow flowers. Well, this is a tree after the, it's taken the laburnum, but it also has the laburnum flowers, but pink at the same time oh. as the yellow. 
And it, Good heavens. It's not... It, I mean, it's, I can't really understand the science of it. People should look it up. Laburnosis, it's L-A-V-U-R-N-O-C-Y-T-I-S-I-S. And it's a completely different form. It's, it, because the, both of the parent plants are in, in the plant. Yes, right. And it's it was. Is it to do with the cells or something? Yes, it's it's hard to understand. Not not just a graft on a graft. Yes, is it? no, yeah. it's it's quite a separate sort of botanic event. Okay. And it looks so beautiful in the photos that Sue and I thought, right, we have to have one. But the only place we found that's got it is Garden Express, and they only had one left. Oh, so, so you grabbed I, it? No, I let Virginia have it. On. <laughs> I'm very nice. <laughs> <laughs> so brought it from me and brought it up I'll yesterday. I'll have one next year. <laughs> yeah. And it was, just, it was done in, the, in France in the 1800s, so it's not that it's um, new. No. But it is extraordinary. And, it, well, we have to now wait until it gets up. But I just thought I should mention it because it's, I've put it on as in flower on our website, on our Facebook page, mm. and, of course, what I have is a long, tall stick. It's, it yeah. hasn't even come into leaf, much less flower. So we've put a little bit of a lie on, but we want people to look it up because it's such an extraordinary thing that does happen so in where, the botanical world. So where are you going word. to put that? Well, it gets quite big and quite wide, so it needs to be by itself. You know, it needs to be a, a statement tree. Doesn't need something, a, a support of some sort? No, it's a tree. It, it is a fully is fledged a tree. tree, so yep. like a laburnum. And yep. up to six metres tall and up to five metres wide it can get. Wow. So it's real. So it really needs a, a special spot. And I need, I need to think, I mean, I just, my instinct is that it won't want to be on the northwest side. You know, be given it, it was invented in France because you'd have to say it was invented in yes. such a peculiar yes. cross. Yes, and um, and it grows in England, so I just cannot think that it's going to be happy in a north wind. So oh I, no! So I think I'll put it amongst. I've got a lot of trees on the south side of the house, so I'll try and find a space somewhere there, and something might have to go. If, it, mm. if I haven't got enough space. It's mm. just, just the most stunning thing. And also, the reason I found out about it, at, at the Callista Market, for anybody that goes, there are some lovely people that own Tilopia Gardens. They oh, have yes. that on the open garden scheme, and they have um, plants there. And she was putting a posy together and was telling me that she's actually got two sisters. We were talking about sisters. And when they have a special tree, the whole three of them have it. And her sister had just bought three of these trees from a nursery in Lake Centrance. And okay. she showed me the picture yes. on her phone. And I was, the first thing I said, Virginia, you have to have one of these. This <laughs> is beautiful. I'd never heard of it before. And, and, interesting. Just, and it only cost us $30. Yeah. Even the people at Plants Express didn't know what I was talking about until they got onto the actual uh, website. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and found they had one. So, so it's... Fun. I mean, yeah. this is this is why we do it, isn't it? You oh, know, yes. You keep finding out new things. Exactly. I, I think it's wonderful too that the plant's been around for so long and they're still continuing. You know, mm. and, yeah, and, and nobody seems to know about it. Yes. Yeah. How interesting. So that so if people have a look on our Facebook page, they'll see the Laburno sisters. Okay. All right. We've got time for a, a few more, Sue. Um, I've just brought in. Spiridium parvifolium, which is, I love spiridiums. I love the um, Kangaroo Island one, but this one is 
used by a lot of um, like Monash and Shire of Lilydale sort of thing as plantings. Very drought tolerant, lovely plant that looks beautiful all year. Grows to about a metre. And instead of flowers, they're like little bracts, mm-hmm. silvery green. Yep. Just a lovely, lovely, easy plant for somebody that wants to have a feature at all times in their garden. It'll take wet and it'll take dry. That's in my garden, so I've got quite a few of them. And how tall does that get? About uh, a metre, yeah, but okay. it's prunable. You can yeah, have it size. however you like, mm-hmm. but it just grows really quick, very quick for an Australian native plant, mm. and it looks lovely all year. Mm-hmm. I really love foliage plants. Prune your natives, folks. Prune yes. them. We don't Actually, want them getting too big. At this time of the lanky. year, it's yeah, also um, really good to do tip prune your plants. Mm. Um, big, while we still have a water table, when you prune any of your plants, it will say, I need to grow now, and mm. the roots search out water and food, mm. and your root system will tend to take off, mm-hmm. um, mm. and it will, it will make it more drought tolerant. Mm. It's mm. a good idea while the soil's wet, because roots can go down, you know, further into the moisture. Mm. I do it every year, and it's made a big difference to my garden. Mm. Tip pruning across the whole yeah, garden. Yeah, because with Australian natives, you get a lot of people get very disappointed that they get a tree and it just takes off, or banksia. You'll get the foliage growing very mm. intensely. It comes to summer, and they can die, and it's because the roots grow slower than yes, the foliage and, on the plant. And it can't support the plant. Yeah. The other thing, and I know it's heartbreaking, with all plants... It's a good idea to take the flowers off because the roots aren't going to grow on the plant when it's putting everything into, into the, the flowers. Yep. Yeah, mm. yeah, excellent so idea. So you, you, you tip pruning eucalypts? I haven't got any eucalypts, mm. so I can't comment on that, but I do all my shrubs and things, mm. and I don't take a lot off. I'm only mm. taking mm-hmm. maybe an inch and a half off, mm. um, and then I prune at different times of the year, like if I want to make the plant smaller. This is purely to make it mm. uh, more drought tolerant. I, I get reports with people because our biggest challenge being in, in a really fire prone area is, is eucalypts okay. and how dangerous they are. And then people talk about them when they come into our nursery and they say, now I've got to pay for an arboriculturist to do it and it's going to cost me $3,000, you know, and, and the thing got, got let go. Oh, okay. And, and and I think that's a challenge. And there's a lot of eucalypts that go into suburban gardens that should never go there. They get far too big. Okay. And yeah. and to believe that we'll never get bushfires in Melbourne, sorry, folks, go around T- Templestow and through that area. Warrandyte. And Warrandyte, my goodness me. Eltham. Yes. yes mm. absolutely. I'm mm. right in the middle. Mm. <laughs> right, we've got a couple of queries from the outside line. Yes. Will possums kill a magnolia? No, but they'll certainly eat every flower on it. Yes. I love them. Absolutely adore them. My brother has taken, he's got a lovely magnolia out the front of his house and it hasn't flowered in years and years and years. He has been putting... Just on the roof, he's been feeding the possum. Yeah. And for the first time, he's got flowers he's on, got his flowers. Mag- on his magnolia. He's wow. pleased as punch. Mm. Yep. Because, you know, you, you've got to work with them. You yes, can't you work do. against them. Exactly. Okay, next one. Now, somebody else has rung in about a lemon nephophia in pots, and she has got no flowers and is concerned about the conditions. Well, a nephophia, it does need a bit of food. They like a fairly rich soil, so I would say you need to feed, feed this plant. I would say um, 
I would be very keen to see some banana skins, soak your banana skins and then use that for watering it, or, mm. you know, which is a way of getting potassium into the yep. plant. Yeah, they don't flower as well either in pots, Jen. I've had nephalfia mm. and then I've put them into the ground and they've been much better. The other thing I was going to say too is they like to be cut back each year after they After flowering. Yeah, yep. Although, see, I've got them right down at the front of my place and I just ignore them and they come up every year and I, what I have got is a rich soil. I think they want a rich soil. I think they need a rich soil. They maybe, want, they, maybe it needs repotting at the same time and then a good feed. Yes, I definitely think feed. I think it needs to be well drained and um, that would, then I'm stuck. Yeah, well, <laughs> and, they, I think and they like water. They don't like to be... Really dry, dry, really dry. Yeah, I yep. find they flower better with a yep. bit of moisture. Okay. And then the last one is, is it too late to plant bulbs? Now, I'm not sure which bulb she's talking about, but I would assume that she means spring flowering. Spring flowering mm. things. Yeah, it's too late. So would you plant them and ignore them, or would you leave them and plant them next year? I'd plant them next I'd, year. Would you? Mm. Yeah. I'd, I'd plant them and ignore them. Would you? Yeah. Mm. Oh, pl- there you go. Yeah, yeah, I'd plant and ignore. Yeah. So long but I've even so had long some still come them? up later when I've yeah, done that. Keep, keep, I mean, very it's, sparing with the water. Yes, it would seem to me a good way of storing them. Mm, but, mm. Uh, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Mm. But I find that if I, I have a habit of thinking that I'll remember where I've put the bulbs and yep. three years later find, oh, yeah, oh. Mm. Which, if I put them in a pot yep. or in the ground, I, it won't happen. Mm. Some people put them in pots and then put them in the ground. Oh, that's what I do. Mm. I actually mm. cut the bottom of the pot around so, yeah. because I have destroyed so many bulbs that I yeah. forget that are planted. Yeah. So if you take the bottom out of your pot, yep. yeah. um, I don't use a lot so that they can still sort of multiply yes. a bit, but it's going to give me a, a base mm-hmm. area. Yeah. Yeah. I've just done it on Lily of the Valley, actually, because I haven't grown that before mm. and had uh, 25 little pips. Mm. So I've made sure that I'm certainly not going to dig into those. Mm. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah. It's a, that's a great Good idea protection. because you can also write on the side of the pot as to what it is. Yes, mm. yeah, yeah. So I did that with... I can't remember what you gave me one year, maybe crocuses or something that looked like that. And I, I was a bit scared. I haven't been growing bulbs for all that long, probably only about eight years. So, right. Yeah, mm. um, it's a good way to have them. Yep. Yeah. No, yeah, excellent some, idea. Some good ideas there. I tend to stick a little bit of um, bamboo or something yeah. in yeah. where I plant bulbs, so yeah. I remember that I put them there. Yes, because it's so easy. And I, al- I always use a fork, if I can, in the garden rather than a spade because... Mm. It gives the bulbs more chance and it gives the worms mm. more chance. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Fork for sure. Mm. Graeme, you wanted to quickly talk about humus. Yes, I'm, talk- I'm talking about uh, humus here. And I have some humus that actually came from up at Young in New South Wales. Now, Young's famous for its cherries and great orchards and that sort of thing. I happened to be going up there and I did get a load of humus from um, uh, people who specialise in, in doing um thousands of, of metres of humus for farming. And the way you'll tell humus, if you buy humus as a compost from um, any of the nurseries, just get it in a ball or put a little bit of moisture in it. And if it holds in a ball, that's really what you're after for your humus for your garden. And if you use your hum- humus around your vegetables, you'll have vegetables with a lot more substance in them, a lot more, well, guts. Mm. And humus doesn't force the plant like fertilisers do. Even organic fertiliser will tend to force vegetables and make things soft. And, and so that's what we're doing with the humus. We've got a, a bulk of bag of it, 
and we're using it as a top dressing for our roses in their pots. And what do they make it from? Oh, a whole mixture of things. Leaf mulch, they'll use it uh, lucerne, chopped up lucerne. You've got to remember up in that area in the Riverina, you know, huge cropping area. They'll use um, chopped up canola. Uh, they'll use some um, animal manure as well. It's all part of that mix. Mm-hmm. And they've got a special aerating machine that goes over the top of the heap, which is about two metres high, and it just aerates the, the compost and turns it, turns it into humus. Mm. And that's, of course, the basis of biodynamics. That's mm. what the biodynamic people are really on about. And humus holds the moisture in the soil. Mm. It really holds the moisture. Mm. It can improve your water holding capacity up to... 30%. And it, wow. brings you, it brings the worms. Mm-hmm. Yes. The worms yeah. love it. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. exactly. And most of all, holds the minerals, mm. the real minerals. Yep. You know, and it'll stop um, erosion or eroding. You know, I go past our creek, creek um, uh, this morning and it's yellow. It's topsoil in the creek. Mm. It's, and go and have a look at the Yarra River. Mate, it floats upside down. That's mm. topsoil mm. going out into the ocean. Yep. So we've got to try and um, hold, you know, it. hold it back. Yep. So humus is the next up, better up from compost. Okay. okay. Very quickly, Sue, um, we mentioned that uh, is the nursery open every Saturday? Yes, it is. Yes. 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 Times? Um, from 8 until 3.30. Okay. Yeah. And give the address of Bushra- Bushland Flora Nursery. It's 110 Clegg Road, Mount Evelyn. Okay. Um, and if I'm not on before, look out for the signs, local people. In about the first and second week of November, we'll be having our sale again. Okay, yeah. brilliant. We've run out of time. A huge thank you to the team and also to Carol and Louise, who've been handling all the calls this morning. We will, of course, return next Sunday morning at 7.30. So until then, bye for now. 